from the Financial Times this is FT News and I'm Jyotsna Singh in Delhi China's new Silk Road project of building trade routes in Europe Asia and Africa has taken it into some of the world's most complex conflict zones The Financial Times has learned that Beijing has been holding direct talks with militants in Pakistan in an effort to protect billions of dollars of infrastructure projects it is financing in the tribal Baloch region To find out more about the developments in Pakistan and Beijing's new trade strategies across continents, I'm joined by the FT's Kiran Stacey, Farhan Bukhari and James King. Farhan, to you first. Tell us what we know about China's peace talks in Balochistan. Has Beijing confirmed its involvement? What we know now is that the Chinese have been talking to uh, Baloch separatists, Baloch militants for four to five years. This is information which has been given to the Financial Times by Pakistani officials, but also by uh, a number of well-connected tribal leaders from Balochistan. The Chinese have preferred to do this very discreetly on background. The meetings, uh, we understand, have taken place outside Pakistan at locations that were not disclosed to us. We were also told that the meetings were mainly geared towards persuading the Baluch militants and separatists to lay down their arms, to enter negotiations with the Pakistani governments, to find a peaceful end to the conflict, and to basically end the dispute. As far as I know, so far the Chinese have not confirmed that these talks have indeed been held for a number of years. Pakistan is one of the main beneficiaries of China's One Belt, One Road project. Tell us about the scale of the initiative. The initiative in South Asia so far is centered in Pakistan. And so far, the announced figure is over $60 billion. This is all for infrastructure projects, roads, oil pipelines, gas pipelines, power generation projects, also coal mines and coal development projects. Basically, these are the main areas of focus. In addition, I think there's also going to be some money for other kinds of transport projects like a train project in the city of Lahore known as the Orange Line. This is also under the China-Pakistan economic corridor as the Pakistani segment of One Belt, One Road is known. The Chinese are very keen to push this and to make this a success story, really as a model that they can show to other countries to demonstrate that uh, they are undertaking these investments in good faith and mainly for the benefit of countries where these projects are undertaken. Kiran, what about the rest of South Asia? Has the project been greeted with much enthusiasm? Quite a lot at least in every country apart from India. So Nepal, for instance, has formally signed up as a member of the project and is now looking at what schemes it can be a part of and what projects might be built there. There have been some concerns about Chinese investments in not only Nepal, but also Sri Lanka, where the Chinese have built a huge port. The concerns relate to the terms in which these deals are being done. So 
One of the things that people are worried about in some South Asian countries is that the loans being offered by the Chinese to build these projects are being offered at such a steep rate of interest that they'll never be repayable. And that when those countries then default inevitably on those payments, the Chinese will step in and simply take over the projects themselves. And that is exactly what has happened in this mammoth port in Sri Lanka, which the Chinese are about to start running for themselves. Now, in the middle of all this is India, which is very suspicious and very concerned about China's growing influence in countries all around it. It has tried to respond by, to a certain extent, building its own projects further out towards the east. So it's looking at infrastructure in places like Myanmar and trying to team up with Japan and building some of those. But frankly, those countries don't carry the same economic clout as China does. So instead, India is using diplomatic and where it can commercial and where it really needs to the threat of military power to keep states in line. That's not working so well in many countries, but Bangladesh is one of the few now that still does remain very closely allied to India. So far, there's been no reaction from India about this particular story. But we know that India is very concerned about what China is planning to do in Pakistan. If it is the case that all that China wants from Pakistan is to build some infrastructure projects, to take the money from those and line its coffers back in Beijing, then actually New Delhi will be perfectly happy with that because what it means is the Chinese will come in and probably offer a level of security that Pakistan never could. So if China, for example, not only manages to get the Baluch rebels on side, but also starts talking to some of the militant groups who attack India from time to time and gets them to suppress their activities, India will be very happy. But New Delhi suspects that's not what's going on. They suspect that actually Beijing is starting almost to occupy Pakistan as another southern province. It really doesn't want to see Chinese military vessels docking at either the Gwada port, which is the one that the Chinese are building on the south coast of Pakistan, or any of the ports nearby. And it is so concerned about that. India has decided to start building a military base in Oman as some kind of counterbalance. James, you've closely followed China's trade expansion plans. Tell us about Beijing's current level of involvement in some of the other conflict zones. China's increasing economic footprint around the world has meant that it cannot but seek to get involved in some of the areas where it has economic interest, but where the political situation is unstable. I think some of the main examples have been in its anti-piracy operations in the seas around Somalia. It's had several task forces of uh, naval vessels that have gone over there and have apprehended several pirate ships. And it has done that in cooperation with other countries that also patrol those seas. Another big success in terms of China's own view of its diplomatic efforts have been the truce that it helped to broker and negotiate between the North and South Sudanese forces. And that was brought about primarily because of China's economic interests in a huge oil field, which is owned by China National Petroleum Corporation in South Sudan. And that is something that to this day, I think, Chinese regard as a big success. Another one of a slightly different nature was when the war in Libya blew up. China was able to mobilize ships to evacuate over 30,000 Chinese workers that it had working in Libya at that time. And this was another cautionary tale for the Chinese. It really convinced the Chinese that if it is to have far-flung economic interests all over the world, then it really does need to be able to protect those interests in one way or another. 
Finally, James, China is no longer shy of intervening in the internal affairs of countries where it has big business interests. How do you view this change in Beijing's foreign policy? China really since the 1949 revolution that brought the Communist Party to power has had a strong injunction against interfering in other countries internal affairs as it puts it and this is you know the mirror of its objections to when other countries primarily the US and European countries have tried as China sees it in the past to interfere in China's internal affairs themselves but now this policy is becoming more and more untenable for China in the case of Pakistan it's going to have over 62 billion US dollars in investments and these investments are going to be in key infrastructure such as power plants and roads and railways and ports it really does need to protect these investments and it really needs to protect the source of supply in the case of Pakistan from the port of Gwadar on the Arabian Sea all the way up the Karakoram highway to the far west of China a very important supply route for China which gives it an alternative to receiving its goods through what it considers to be the choke point of the straits of malacca where currently most of its trade passes venezuela is another example china sunk over 60 billion in terms of loans and investments into venezuela and it is currently a major player in trying to seek a resolution with the venezuelan government over repayment of those debts so little by little we are beginning to see much greater chinese influence into the governance of countries where it has key economic interests Thanks Kiran, Farhan and James. Thanks for listening. This is Jyotsna Singh saying goodbye.